Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. Good morning. We're so glad that you came to church and welcome to part two of the series that we've entitled When You Pray. And this series is taken from the words of Jesus. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, prayed. A lot of times he would get away and talk to the Father. And I think that's so important. It's vital to your Christian life. I really think that your Christian life, how it goes uh, for you, is really dependent on your prayer life. It's your connection uh, to God. And so in this series, we're looking at how Jesus said to pray. And how many of you think it'd be a good idea that if we looked at how Jesus prayed, maybe we would pray more often. And let's look at our theme scripture for this series. It's found in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. It says this, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Can we all say that together? Come on, let's say it together. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We talked about last week the position of prayer and not necessarily whether you're driving when you pray because you can as long as you keep your eyes open. Come on, somebody, when you drive. But I'm not talking about whether you kneel down or you're laying down in the position of prayer. Last week, we talked about the spiritual position of prayer. And we went through five stances that we have before God. And if you weren't here, I would just encourage you to download our app. All the messages are there. Keep up, follow up. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about the effectiveness of prayer. And we're going to talk about praying effective prayers. And before we dive into this, I just want to say a little disclaimer. You know, when we do a series, and there's a reason why we do a series, it's because it's like a book. How many of you know that when you get a book, you can't read everything in the first chapter? And so I do have people come up and say, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about that? And I appreciate the interest. I appreciate all that. But can I just say, we have to roll that out in about 35 minutes. I have about 35 minutes to talk about this vast subject called prayers. And that's where my job comes in is to dissect every week and what week is going to be about. But let me just say this. That's why your attendance is so important. Because I've actually talked to people and they say, are you going to talk about that? And I said, yes, I talked about that last week. I don't know if you were here or not, but that's what we talked about. And so it's like taking and opening a book and just skipping chapters. You're not going to get the full, vast knowledge of what the author is trying to convey. And so today, if there's something you're like, man, well, are we going to talk about that? We probably are, but we need to just stay focused on each Sunday. And today I want to talk about praying effective prayer. If you have your Bible or your smartphone, however you look at that, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 7, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and it's Jesus talking about, uh, it's Jesus talking, and here's what he says. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father, there's that word again we talked about last, last week, your father, notice what Jesus is saying. He didn't say my father here. What did he say? He said, your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask of them. What we're gonna start to find out 
is that Jesus is going to start talking more about our heart and how much our heart plays a part in our prayer life. And it's funny, if you ever talk to people, I've talked to many people in my years of pastoring and in the lobby here at the church, it's one thing that I've, I've noticed about people is that if you could talk to someone for about five minutes, usually what they're passionate about will come up in the conversation. At some point, whatever they're passionate about, whether it's essential oils, come on somebody. If they're, I mean, in the first five minutes when you're talking with them and they will literally start to gear that conversation where? To the point of their passion. Why? Because what we talk about is reflective of what's going on in our heart. To me, it's no doubt when you start talking to someone and then that conversation starts to veer off to CrossFit and how they're working out, right? Or they're in the, <laughs> we're in the lobby and we're just talking and they look and they see the little creamers that they, we use and they're like, you know what? In the first two, three minutes, oh, I can't use those creamers because I'm lactose intolerant, right? And I'm like, wow, this is pretty like TMI. You know, I just met you and you're already telling me you're lactose intolerant. But you know what? They start talking about these things and oh, I can't do this. And, you know, you see those donuts. I don't eat donuts. I, I'm organic. And I'm like, well, good. It's good to meet you. Uh, could you introduce me to the person next to you before we talk about your diet? You know what I'm saying? But why is that? Because your mouth is saying what's overflowing from your heart. And Jesus is going to start to make this correlation about your heart. In the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how your heart affects your prayer life. Do you know the opposite is true? When I've heard people that I've known and they say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about this area. Sometimes I'll go, really? And they say, what do you mean, really? Really? I never hear you talk about that area. So if you're passionate about that, you never talk about that area? See, because when you're passionate about something, it will come out your mouth. And Jesus is gonna start to address that if we are gonna have effective prayers, effective prayers come from your heart, not just from your mouth. Or let me say it this way, effective prayers are not just lip service, they're heart consecration. And so this is what he starts talking about, vain repetitions, because your words come out of the overflow of your heart. And here's, I'm so glad you came today because we're going to learn how to pray effective prayers. How many of you want to have effective prayers when you pray? How many of you want to have prayers answered? I do, I believe you do because... You're here today. So what does this mean? Vain repetitions. Well, I looked it up in the, in the literal Greek text, and it's, it means this. Jesus says, I don't want prayers with idle words. Let me say it this way. Jesus says, look, when you talk with me, when you approach me and you talk with me, I don't want empty words. I don't want just idle words. I don't want words, listen to this, without substance. Without substance. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to give us four characteristics of effective prayers by looking at this story in the New Testament. Turn to your Bibles real quick in Acts chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, I'm going to look at, uh, this is an effect, this church prayed effective prayers and it set people free. And uh, let me give you a little history. Peter 
the apostle. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, and Peter was doing what he was called to do, but Herod uh, really wanted to try to stop the kingdom of God. How many of you know you can't stop the kingdom of God? And he thought by putting Peter in prison for preaching and doing the miracles that he would somehow stop the kingdom of God. And so what we're about to read is that Peter is now in prison, and look at the response of the church. Acts chapter 12, verse four, bless you. Then he imprisoned, see, I'm on it today. Come on, somebody, I had my energy drink. Acts chapter 12, verse four, it says this, then he, it's Peter, then Peter, then he imprisoned him. Oh, actually, he right there is Herod. Then Herod imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads. How many squads? Four squads of four soldiers each. Listen to this. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Look at verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So let me ask you, how did the church pray? The church prayed what? Very earnestly. Here's number one. Here's the first characteristic of effective prayer. See, number one, effective prayers are earnest prayers. When I read that this week, something impacted my heart. I looked at this and I looked at what the church did. I look at what the church did then, and I look at how the church operates now. You know, it's interesting. Peter is in prison, and you know what the church did? The church came together because they wanted to pray for Peter. And here's what impacted me. The church actually cared enough to get out of their normal schedule and get together and pray for somebody else? I looked at that and I said, what? Wow, the early church actually cared enough to come together. They loved Peter enough, cared for Peter enough that they were willing to rearrange their schedule to pray for him. And not just pray, to pray earnestly, the Bible says. And you know what? Peter was a leader in the church. He was their pastor. And it said that the church prayed earnestly. The King James says this, that they prayed without ceasing. In the literal text, it means this, earnestly. So I was like, man, what does earnestly mean? Because if these people are praying prayers that are setting people free from prison, I want to pray those prayers. Because there's people today who are in prison. Not in jail, in a physical jail, but there are many people who are in a spiritual prison. And many of you, even now as I say that, maybe even the Holy Spirit would reveal to you some of those names. And you know what? What's interesting to me is that this word earnestly means this. Earnestly means to stretch out. In other words, you're in your intent to stretch out And it could actually be said this way in the literal text. They prayed with great care. They prayed with great care. Now, what set off their prayer meeting? Their prayer meeting set off, was set off because they actually cared about Peter. They actually cared about Peter. 
You know what I have found? If we're not careful as a nation, as people, even the people of God in the church, you naturally will gravitate towards apathy. We can, and I think a lot of the church is that way. Even today, we graduate, we just kind of, we kind of migrate just towards apathy, towards apathy. But guess what? Here's what effective prayers are not. Effective prayers are not apathetic prayers. Effective prayers are empathetic prayers. What does that mean? That means it comes from my heart because I actually care about you. And it's interesting because today we live in the selfie society. Selfie society. I have friends I had to stop following on Instagram because I got tired of seeing their face. Come on, somebody. I mean, they have like 50 pictures of guess who? Themselves. This angle, that angle. Like, listen, I know what you look like. Do you know what you look like? Because you keep taking pictures of yourself. I don't understand. I like to call them a lonely. You take a lonely, right? It's just you. I, I, don't I had a friend actually tell me, and this is the society we live in. He's like, Phil, I looked at your Instagram. You need to take more pictures of yourself. I'm like, dude, that's not me. I do not. Now, I have a great phone, a new phone. And my whole thing about that is not, let me just see how, what profile I can have or what profile and then put it out. And here, here's what he said. No, you need to take more pictures of yourself because people need to see you more. I said, what? I said, people who see me know where I'm at. They don't need to see me in every single picture. But what is my point? Hey, you can take as many selfies as you want. I don't care. But here's the, here's the society that we live in. It is self. It is apathetic. It is I care about to the point where somebody is in a spiritual prison and you know what? We're like, oh man, too bad, so sad. And here we are as the church and we wonder why when we pray for people, it doesn't seem like there's any power, like there's any connection. You know why? I would say it this way, because there's no heart in the prayer. It's just idle words that we say. And I'm going to preach a little bit this morning. I hope you don't mind. But you know what? It was last Sunday evening, maybe about eight or nine o'clock that there was a shooter in Las Vegas shooting innocent people, right? Almost 60 dead and who knows how many people were injured. And I just, when I thought about that this week and thinking about these, this, this message, I thought about how many of us in this room that's hit our heart that we say, you know what? I actually care about Las Vegas. It's just not a cool little Instagram post praying for Las Vegas. Did you pray? Do you care? Do you care that people lost their lives? Oh, let me go a little bit deeper. Do you care that there were people there that possibly didn't know God and that now they are eternally separated from him and not in a choice of their own, but they went to just hear some country music and their life was taken from there. Do we as the church even care? Do we? Because here's the reality. We gravitate towards apathy. We gravitate. And so until you start to feel what people feel, my church family, can I just tell you something? And, and let, me, let me say this with all love and all truthfulness. Jesus is coming back. 
And he could come back tonight. He could come back before we wake up tomorrow morning. And there are people in Marietta today that still do not know this glorious gospel that we know. And here's my question for the church. Do we even care? Do we even care that there are people who will spend eternity in hell? Do we even care anymore? Because let me tell you, as the church as, as the church migrates more and gravitates more towards apathy, the enemy that we have is not an apathetic enemy. He is an aggressive enemy. He'll shoot innocent people. He doesn't care about you. You know what he cares about? Still killing and destroying from people's lives. And as the church gets more apathetic, the enemy is getting more aggressive. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard to look at the TV and watch those images. But ladies and gentlemen, those are human beings, people who had families, fathers, mothers, sisters, whose lives were totally decimated, totally um, interrupted by not a decision that they made. And where's the church? Oh, it's sad. Is that all it is to you? It's sad? Because something's going on in our hearts when we don't even care about the person that's next to us. I'm going to go a little bit deeper today. Do we even care about our neighbors? The Bible says I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Do we even care that the person that lives next to us may not go to heaven? Do we even care? Because here's the reality. If we're going to pray effective prayers, effective prayers come from an earnest heart that actually cares about people. That's why when I begin to think about how Jesus did miracles, the Bible says he moved with compassion with people. There was a love in his heart for people to say, I don't want to see you stay the same. I started to ask myself, when was the last time as Christians you actually told somebody that Jesus loved them. I'm not, I'm not talking about what, inviting them to church. I'm not talking, when was the last time you as a born again Christian actually even prayed a prayer of salvation with somebody to lead them to Christ? And here's my question. Do we care enough? Pastor Phil, you just understand, I'm kind of shy. I, you know, I just don't like to talk to people. Can I just tell you something? If my son falls in the pool and can't swim, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm jumping in the pool to save him. And see, to me, that's the apathetic type of attitude that says, well, you know, I'm just not that type of person. Oh, really? Okay. So this person, because you're totally thinking about yourself, may not go to heaven because all you can think about is you don't know what to say. Can I give you some words to say from your heart? Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them Jesus died for them. And here we are, and excuse me for being a little emotional today. I'm tired of hearing Christians complain about things. And you know what we're complaining? We're complaining because we're not praying. And the Bible says that when Peter, when they heard that he was in prison, they all got together and they started to pray from their heart that God would release him from prison that God would release him see an earnest prayer shows you have a heart that cares about people has a heart I put this in our selfie society we drift towards being less concerned with others and more consumed with our self does anyone care 
Pastor Phil, I got so much going on in my life. Hey, I know, I do too, but you know what you have that other people don't have? You have Jesus in your life. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And you know what? This life, Jesus promised that they were going to have trouble, but we have peace. But gosh, the world has trouble and they don't have the peace that you and I have. Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. Whenever I say stuff like this, I always think about, is there any scripture, scriptures in the Bible that kind of bear out what I feel like the Lord is impressed upon my heart? One of the things you'll find about Jesus is that he prayed a lot of very short prayers. He really did. But apart from getting away, he prayed very short prayers. But I was reminded at Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And he, he's in this moment where people are looking at him, asking him why he wasn't here. And it's one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. And you read about it in John 11. The Bible says, listen, before he prayed, you know what the Bible says? Jesus wept. Wept, not cry. A weeping comes from within your soul. Before he prayed, Jesus started, and you know what people said? People looked at Jesus and they said, oh, how he loved him. Talking about Lazarus. People saw within Jesus, he actually cared. There was something, now here comes this prayer. Lazarus come forth. In those three or four words, you know where that came? From an earnest heart of Jesus. You know why? Because it came from his caring See, the word earnestly actually was also used in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying. See, God is looking for people who will take off their religious masks and pour out their heart in prayer. Start to pour out their heart in prayer. You know, if you could define these words idleness or idle words, we could define them as this way. Idle words are words that are disconnected from your heart. Lord, I love you today. Lord, uh, you know, he'll so-and-so. Hey, Lord, I, I just pray for the, my manager. You know, he's a jerk. I just help him. <laughs> Did you ever stop to think maybe why he is a jerk? Maybe he doesn't know Jesus. Maybe he doesn't have the love of God flowing through his heart. And did you maybe think that the reason why you're working there is because God put you there? To pray for him. Because that's what we do a lot of times. We judge and we don't love. And that affects our prayer life. That affects our prayer lives. So we talk idle words. Idle words are just words that are disconnected from our heart. They don't mean anything to God because they don't mean anything to you. Let me say that again. They don't mean anything to God because they don't mean anything to you either. And he talks about idle words. Are you ready to go a little bit deeper this morning? Listen, if I stepped on your toes this morning, they'll be healed. I promise. But I'm telling you what, I came today to wake some people up because I care about this community. And as beautiful as our community is, and as beautiful as the people that are in our community, it's not easy to see the need. This isn't National City, or this isn't another place where the need is so visible. People are, can be driving a Mercedes down the street, and in their heart, it's broken, and they're disconnected from God. And we, as the church, need to rise up and start to care enough about our community to start to pray. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody that can say, 
say a prayer that has some heart. This is why Jesus said this. Maybe this will tie these two together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Right after, he says, For your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask them. What is he saying? Even before you articulate, God already knows what you need of. But see, if you're just talking about things and you really don't have need of them, but you're doing it just to, oh, I just, you know, I kind of need to pray. I need to, that, that's not what God is. He's interested in real heart talk from you. That's why he says, look, even before you ask, I know if you, I know what's in your heart. I know what's really going on in there. And so if you're just going to talk about your idle stuff, I know what's going on in your heart. And here's what I want to do this morning before I move on to the next point. And I want you to take a moment. Today, if you have the worship guide, if you have a phone, and not to do it now, but I want you to think about this. Bef- today, at some point, I want you to write down the names of seven people. Seven people who you think may not know God, need God, need, maybe are in a spiritual prison, things are going on in their life. I want you to write down physically or text or write on your phone the name of seven people that for the next 21 days you're going to start to pray for. That we are going to, that you care enough to start to write down their name and say, you know what? Every morning I'm going to start to pray for these seven people. Do you think you can do that? Cool. We got four responses. This message is needed today. Amen. Do you think you can do that? Well, Pastor Phil, I only have five. We'll meet two people in the next week and let's pray for them and start to pray for them. Come on, somebody. Our, our community needs prayer. They need a realization of Jesus. Here's the second characteristics of effective prayers. Effective prayers receive when they pray. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let me read that again. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, what? When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus says, listen, Whatever you ask. Now we know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on. He's talking about whatever you ask is according to his will. Right? Because really that's what we want to pray. We want to pray in line with his will. Effective prayers are prayers that are prayed in line with the will of God. Well, Pastor Phil, what is the will of God? His word is his will. Can I hear a good amen this morning? His word is his will. I don't need to know if healing is God's will. It's in the word. It's all in there. Now, I know that there's some specific things. The word is not going to tell me where to go to college, right? I can't look in here and say, well, you know, should I go to San Diego State or should I go to San Jacinto? You know, I don't know. I, let, me, let me see. And here's what a lot of people do when they do that. Okay, Lord, all right, just, just give me a word. And they open up their Bible and they go, okay, Judas went and hung himself. Ooh, that's not a good one. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, oh, man. Go and do likewise. Ooh, no, 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 no. That's not, we're not going to, no, no, no. That's, that's what a lot of people do. Now, there's specifics that we pray for. 
and we'll, we'll talk about that. But when we pray, the Bible says, as soon as you pray, at that moment, you are to believe and receive it when you pray. Why, Pastor Phil? The Bible says that when they prayed for Peter, an angel was dispatched. And an angel was dispatched to go get Peter and release him from his chains. My church family, this tells us how important and powerful prayer can be. That actually, if I can pray earnest prayers and say, God, whoever it might be in your family, whoever it might be, friends, that I have a part in playing in their freedom. How? By praying. Now listen, they were praying and it seemed like nothing was happening. But little did they know, God was working behind the scenes and he sent an angel to go free Peter. And that's the power of prayer. That's why I'm asking you. I want you to write down seven names and start to pray for them earnestly from your heart. Well, Pastor Phil, listen, I don't know what to pray. What's in your heart for them? That, I always think that's interesting. Even when we have prayer meetings and people are like, well, I don't know what to Just pray what's in your heart. And some people are like, and that, that concerns me because I'm like, there's nothing in your heart? See, this is what, I think sometimes this is where we've come to a place where we're so consumed with other things that we don't even know who we care about anymore. We don't even know what to pray about anymore because when we look inside our heart, we're like, well, I'm just kind of, you know, I've always just been praying about me. And can I ask you a question? If God were to answer your prayers, would you be the only one that's blessed? Because when they came together for Peter, it actually unlocked the prison that Peter was in. But you know what? When they prayed, they believed, at least some people there, because we're going to find out some of them were actually shocked that they got answers to their prayers. But you know what? Daniel got visited by an angel as well because Daniel was praying in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It says this, then he said to me, and this is the angel that showed up to answer Daniel's prayer. He said, listen, then the angel said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for the first day, look at these words, that you set your what? You set your heart. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an earnest prayer. Daniel got prayers answered, and the angel says this, look, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. What words? The words from his heart. Now, why is your heart so important? We've learned in This is the Victory, our faith series, the Bible says you believe with what? Your heart. Right here is where your believing comes from. Your heart. That's why God says, I don't want, I don't want words without substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Where does that faith and believing come from? Your heart. And he says this, listen. He says, the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now watch this. And I have come because of your, ooh, this is so powerful. An angel says, I came because of your what? Your words. Your words. I may do a series on angels and demons at some point, but here's one thing you need to know. There's many scriptures about how angels are ministering spirits. They are here to minister for you and to you. 
Now, some of us, our angels are very bored because we never tell them what to do. We never speak the word of God, so they just sit around. They only respond to the word of God. This angel said, listen, Daniel, I came because of your words. Every day when we drive on the 15 and we leave our apartment to drive my son to school, we thank God and we see, and I talk to the angels. Angels, I thank you that today you encamp around our vehicle today to keep us. Every time I get on a plane, do you think I'm going to entrust my life to a pilot? Come on, somebody. I'm going to entrust my, my life to a God and that angels will fly as we fly. And the Bible says in Psalms 91 that he will give his angels charge over you. And when I get on that plane, I use my words. Why? Because faith is expressed in words. Remember, we learned that Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, why? That's an expression of faith. And I say, angels, I thank you according to Psalm 91 that you encamp around this plane. Ladies and gentlemen, there was one day in my life that I was almost in a plane crash and an automobile accident in the same day. It's never a good thing when you're trying to land in Mexico and the pilot gets on and he says, you know what? Today, I'm going to try to land one more time. When you hear the word try to land is not a good word, even if you have your seatbelt on. Come on, somebody. It was so dusty that the pilot could not see. But guess what? The angels could see. Come on, the angels could see. And I'm a child of God. And the Bible says in his promises that he will give his angels charge over us. Come on, somebody. And Daniel gets visited by an angel and he says, the reason why I'm here is because of your words. Look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, he's like, I had to go get some other angels. I had to go get uh, some backup. And he says, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. But here's what I want to bring out. Notice what the angel said. The first day that you prayed, I was dispatched. But you know what? And here's what we need to understand, my church family. There is a battle in in the heavenlies. Listen, the enemy does not want you to receive the blessings that God has for you. The enemy wants you to wake up every Sunday and go, you're too tired. You can't go to church. Come on, just stay and watch the Chargers win. I lose. I mean, just come on. You know, you're too tired. You have a big week ahead of you. Okay, I think I can't do it. The enemy is going to do everything in the heavenlies. You think he wants to see you have an answer to your prayers? And Gabriel shows up and he says, it's been a fight since the day you prayed. But here's what's important on our part. The day that we pray, we need to believe. When do we believe? We believe when we pray. Is that a good word this morning? When you pray, believe that you receive them. Because in the early church, God was working. They didn't know it. They just kept praying earnestly. Here's number three, the third characteristic of effective prayers. Number three, effective prayers are expectant prayers. Man, we should pray with an expectant heart that God answers prayer. Here's the funny thing about this whole story. is they're praying, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. There's a knock at the gate. They're praying like, hey, somebody's at the door. Did you order pizza? No, we didn't order pizza. What's going on? Somebody's here. And they go out and they look. And this young girl looks out and she actually hears Peter's voice. 
She says, it's Peter. And they're praying. They're like, guys, it's Peter. And they look at her and they go, you're crazy. You're crazy. Isn't that what we were praying for? Weren't we praying for Peter to be released from prison and Peter's at the door and they don't believe that what they prayed for could actually happen? Can't we be the, aren't we like that? Can't we be like that sometimes? Like we're actually praying and then God will do something. We're like, oh, oh yeah. See, there had to be some people in that prayer meeting that were praying earnestly for people. And I think it was actually this girl who answered the door. She heard, or heard Peter's voice and she went over there. She was expecting that what she prayed for would actually happen. Come on, somebody. We need to pray expectant prayers. And when they realized it was Peter, the Bible says they opened the gate. And I love this. They were all astonished. The Bible says that he had guards all around him and an angel walked in and set him free. And I just wonder what God could do, what God could do with some earnest prayers, who God could set free in our lives, in our neighborhoods, if we would commit to earnest prayers and believing that God can save people. How many of you know if God could save you, he could save them? Amen. And I know because I know some of you. And he did it for you. He can, I think that all the time. If God could save me, I was the worst of the worst. I was always in detention. I was always in trouble in school. But you know what? God saved me and turned me into a pastor. Come on, somebody. If he can save me, if he can save you, he can save them. Come on, I know you want to give him a good round of applause. Come on, let's, let's give him a good round of applause. Pray expectant prayers. Let me just talk with the single people here for just a moment. If you're single, no need to raise your hand. No, listen, no need to raise your hand. But I think it's funny that we could pray for, you know, God, you know, I just, I want a husband or I want a, a, a wife. And do you really? I mean, does that really come from your heart? Because when you start to pray expectant prayers, here's what happens. Guys, you get up and start to put on some deodorant. You start to... Take a shower, not every third day, but every day. You actually start to comb your hair, maybe put some gel in it. Why? Because you're expecting that God could actually answer your prayer, even at Albertsons. Come on, somebody. Right? You start to live your life expecting. Today, I always, I have this philosophy, you never know who you may meet. Especially when I was single, I was like, never know who I may meet today, so I better, I better be ready. You never know. You may have a divine appointment. And here's the thing. You may run into that person, and you want to be ready for your divine appointment. That's why you need to start. See, expectant people are people who are preparing. I'm ready. Lord, I'm putting feet to my prayers. I'm not just going to sit at home and pray, oh, Lord, send Brad Pitt my way, please. No, 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 no. You know what? Brad Pitt is, is going to look for someone if I could just say it, someone who is getting themselves ready. See, listen, a, a king is looking for a queen. A prince is looking for a princess, right? And can I just encourage you? When you start to really have an expectant heart, you start to live different. You say, God, you could answer my prayer today. 
If I'm over here working at Papa John's or whatever I'm working at, she could walk in today. I could show up at her house to deliver that pizza and I could meet her today. See, that's an expectant heart of saying, God, I'm praying, but I'm also expecting and living with expecting that you're going to do and and do what you said you would do in my life. Here's the fourth characteristic of effective prayers. And the last one for today, effective prayers are consistent prayers. See, when the church prayed for Peter, the word earnest also means consistent. They didn't stop just because two minutes in, all of a sudden nothing happened. They just kept praying until Peter came into the door. You know, James chapter 5, verse 15 says this. James add to this effective prayers. He says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. How do we know we're righteous? Well, last week we said we stand before God as a child of God. He says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James chapter, I believe it's five, verse 16. So here's what it denotes. It denotes I'm not withdrawing my heart. When I pray, I'm not doubting. When I pray, I'm not just gonna pull back because I don't see things immediately. They didn't see Peter getting unlocked from the prison, but my church family, he was being unlocked by the prison. Daniel didn't see in the natural something immediately, but you know what? In the heavenlies, it was done and already taken care of. Can I just say, even with healing, your healing is already taken care of. 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus... And right, and the Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. So I pray and believe, and I'm not going to withdraw my heart. Jesus said, when we speak to the mountain, if you'll speak to the mountain and tell it remove, and what? Don't doubt in your what? Heart. In your heart. Don't pull back. Stay consistent. I'm not going to withdraw my heart. I'm not going to start doubting. I want to close with this. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that when he really started to think about this weight of all of the sin of the world, he wasn't taking it on. The Bible says he became sin. That in those moments in his prayer, his capillaries begin to break and he began to sweat blood as he was praying. And this scripture really stuck out to me as we talk about effective, earnest prayer. Look at what it says about Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Being in agony, what did he do? Prayed more earnestly. The more agony, the more earnest, the more agony, the more earnestly that he prayed. You know, my church family, I don't know if we see this today. I think sometimes what we see is when life starts to happen, instead of praying more earnestly, what we do is we become more inconsistent in our prayer life. Church attendance becomes more inconsistent. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus, when he sensed that agony, the Bible says he prayed more. What? Say the word. Earnestly. And I think here's what can happen sometimes. Sometimes when we feel the opposition, 
we feel like God is just saying no or God is against us. Can I just tell you, God is not your problem. God is on your side today. And he's hearing your prayer. Don't withdraw your heart just because there's opposing forces. There is a devil. There is opposing forces that do not want to see you blessed. But let's be like Jesus. The more agony that comes our way, the more earnestly we're going to pray. Devil, whatever you bring me, it's just going to draw me more to my knees. The more agony and the more trouble that I see, guess what? The more earnestly that I'm going to pray. It's not the more agony I quit. And some people withdraw their hearts and they wonder why their prayers go unanswered. And what Jesus wants is people who are consistent in their prayers. These are the kind of prayers, my church family, that set people free from prison. These are the kind of prayers, effective prayers, that are consistent, that are prayed earnestly, right? That are prayed and believing that they receive them. That's the kind of prayer that gets answered. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.